0: And so with LMDB in place, right, we have workers that can read and write to LMDB, which allows us to run parallel queries. And so PQR was a huge advancement for us. I think we saw up to like 40% reduction in in query running time and build times went down. We had a goal. I think it was like, we're trying to look for at least 20% reduction in build times. And I think we hit 26%.
1: So all cool wins, you know? The following is my conversation with Abi Ayer and Ward Peters, two lead engineers behind Gatsby Cloud and the recently announced Gatsby v4, which is at the forefront of what I think is the most significant change in the JAMstack landscape in the past two years. We discussed how parallel query running, PQR, and deferred static generation, DSG, are achieving 40% faster queries and 300% faster overall builds. And they did a wonderful job handling the most impolite questions I could think of, including whether Gatsby Cloud is a Netlify clone, whether Gatsby should just be a data layer on top of Next.js, and how they're dealing with TMA, too many acronyms, in web development. This conversation should be viewed together with my past discussions with Sunil Pai and Mishko Hevery in considering the cutting edge of web development today. Online discussions often present a binary split in that your technical choices either have to optimize for developer experience or user experience. But I find that it is builders like Abi and Ward and Mishko and Sunil who are constantly trying to improve the experience of developers in building great user experiences by default. I hope you enjoy these long-form conversations I'm trying to produce with amazing developers. I still don't have a name for it, and I still don't know what the plan is. I just know that I really enjoy it, and the feedback from you guys have been really great. So, if you like this, share with a friend. If you have other requests for guests, tag them on social media. I basically like to make this a space where passionate builders and doers can talk about their craft and where things are going. So, here's the interview.
0: I'm Abhi Ayer. I'm a principal engineer at Gatsby. Thanks for having us. My name is Ward Peters. I'm a staff
2: software engineer at Gatsby and I'm from Belgium. And I've been working mostly on the open source side.
0: I forgot to say where I'm from. I'm from Los Angeles, you know, Hollywood. I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually heading down to LA in a couple of weeks. I'm going to QCon, which is like a very interesting thing for a front-end engineer to end up at. But that's where my career has taken me. So this conversation started because I had a chat with Sunil on this podcast that I accidentally launched I don't think we did Gatsby much uh, a good favor like we both saw the the new updates and I didn't get to say the, the nice things that I thought about Gatsby I should also say that I used to have my blog on Gatsby and I, I, I no longer do I used to work in LFI and now I no longer do there's a lot of history here for me with Gatsby it's been a while since I caught up and I'm curious to see or get the latest, maybe we should start off with like a quick summary of what's new with Gatsby, uh, with Gatsby v4, right? Is that a good place to start? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So, so first of all, I, I think that the marketing was really nice. Gatsby Camp, it, it seems like a, a really big push and qualitatively very different from Gatsby 3. Tell me about what the behind the scenes was like.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it was, I mean, we're getting better at uh, the marketing side of what we're doing these days. And Gatsby 4 was a big push. It really changed how we approach the framework as a whole. For those who don't know, traditionally Gatsby was a static site generator, purely static. We hold ourselves high on our connections to uh, content management systems and we provide a really good data layer there that takes all those requests that you would normally make to a content manager system, turns them into a, like a store of data that you can then use and query from GraphQL. And the big thing that we were hitting before Gatsby Four was as our company was growing and as more customers were uh, using Gatsby cloud, we started realizing that we couldn't scale to really large sites and large sites is like a misnomer. Like you could be, you could be a 50,000 page site and be considered large given the data that you may have, but we're talking like hundreds of thousands of pages now, and the thing that we kind of realized is not all pages are created equal on your site, especially the ones from like 2015, 2014, where, you know, no one's looking at that, that, that those pieces of content. If you're a site with a huge archive of content. Yeah, you should probably go check Google Analytics to see how you know how how many people are actually viewing your pages, and the way Gatsby and we'll get into this a little bit later. But today Gatsby isn't as smart as it should be in what pages should be rebuilt. For example, we're looking at the gatsbyjs.com page right here, but there are other data dependencies, not this pure content. Like if you look at the nav bar, there's a whole bunch of items there, and we have this nav bar on all of our pages, because that's what a website has. But the problem with Gatsby today and will be changed in the future is like, if I change anything about this nav bar, any page that depends on the nav bar now has a dependency that needs to be invalidated. And so now I have 100,000 pages with this navbar. I have 200,000 pages with this navbar, And I spelled Gatsby instead of Gatsby or something in the nav bar, I made a typo. And now I'm paying for 100,000 uh, pages of reload to rebuild. And so we just saw that, and that this happens a lot, right? This is a very small example, but this happens a lot to our customers. And building 100,000 pages is not necessarily an easy thing to do. There's memory requirements that come in. There's what kind of uh, machine are you doing this thing on? And so we had to figure out a way to scale Gatsby and do things differently. We were traditionally static, and now we're trying to be somewhere in between. You can go dynamic, and or you could go static, and it's up to you. So the new rendering
1: options are SSG, DSG, and SSR. Is ISR gone?
2: Well, that's what Next Yes is doing. and
1: um, ah. like, Wait, did Gatsby never have... I thought Gatsby had an incremental mode. Uh, incremental, incremental builds.
2: builds. What call it? yes. Yeah. But that's
1: still all statically, so
2: what we do, we, we have it in open source where we... With V3, we enabled it where we only build HTML what's necessary on cloud. We have a more pumped up version of it where when you get a data change, we only update that page more rapidly than in open source. But still, when you change your nav bar with what Abi said, you still have to rebuild everything because all the pages get invalidated. So incremental builds works for data updates, but not so much for code changes.
1: Right. Okay, well, I guess, how do you solve cache invalidation? <laughs> but yeah. so, so.
2: Well, the thing is that because GetV owns the data, like the has a data layer and uh, source plugins like WordPress, when we source data, when uh, they give us a webhook or we just go to WordPress and say like, Hey, what has changed? They tell us like, okay, these notes have changed or these pieces, like a post, a page has been changed. Gatsby knows which node is used where, like for example, this post is used on this section page, it's used in this article and that's all happening already behind the scenes because GraphQL shenanigans under the hood. That's how we can build incremental builds. We know, okay, only these pages need to be built and that's also where DSG comes in because as a user, you don't have to care about caching validation anymore because it's using the same engine as you were used to with like incremental builds when you use SSG. So and I think that's a, a major benefit of it where you as a user don't really have to care about cache control because it is difficult to manage on a large scale. Like a lot of corporations just say like every 10 minutes we'll remove the cache because it is difficult to, to get through <laughs> your when things change.
0: Yeah,
1: that that's, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Uh, at Netlify, one of the reasons that we constantly talk about for cdn level caching like people say like you know why don't you just enable cdn level caching and, and then just have a regular server render one of matt billman's points that he always makes is that people always turn it off the moment there's a bug it's like oh it's a caching yeah. problem turn it off and then don't turn it back on again okay so let's let's talk about like dsg that's the fancy new one and dpr right so maybe we should is there is there a Yeah. There's a graphic. Okay. All right. This is new. So first of all, like what was the inspiration? What's the backstory? I'm always interested in how these things come about.
0: I think we were inspired by DPR a lot, you know, but where we saw the benefit of our approach is our data layer, you know, and it took, there was many steps even before getting to DSG. So it started actually in like Gatsby 3.10. We had to redo Gatsby's node store. So traditionally, we were using Redux to persist all these yes. data we get from content uh, management systems, and we had a particular customer who could not even persist the cache, like a Gatsby cache, between builds because they had so much data that it would it would OOM when they try to persist the cache. Right. So for <laughs> them, they were running cold builds for every build, even if you had like a Warm cache, or you had your pods, you know, we we use Kubernetes. So like, if you have your pods up, you're doing like an hour and a half cold build for everything. You could like change a typo and it'd be an hour and a half. And so from there, we were like, okay, we need to reduce peak memory utilization and Redux is not going to help us there. And so we started looking into alternatives. We looked at SQLite, we looked at Redis, and we landed on LMDB, which is Lightning Memory mapped database manager. It's like a file system DB, which is really cool for us because one, it's pretty fast. It allows you to have like a query interface, which is good. You can store more data than available RAM. So for a site like this customer who pretty much is blown up the spot on every warm build um, to try to even have a warm build, we could actually store their data now which then unlocked warm builds for them. So an hour and a half went to 25 minutes, which is pretty good for them. Now we have this thing, now we call it Gatsby DB internally. And so now Gatsby's node store is in LMDB. And the cool thing about LMDB is it's just comprised of a bunch of files. You have a lock file and database files. And if you have files, that means you can move files around. They don't have to be in one place, right? They could be in storage, they can be in a serverless function, they could be anywhere you you really want, right? And so that was step one was we need to redo the node store. And we did that and memory utilization from a lot of customers went down enough to unlock a simple thing as a warm build. Yep. So the second thing that this these other customers are having was like, wow, it takes so long to query, to run queries, right? And People have like 25,000, 50,000 queries. And I don't know if they should have those that much, but they do, <laughs> right? They do have that much. And it's a huge part of the build time, right? A lot of people complain that you know Gatsby builds are sometimes slow for large sites. And we agree, it, that's totally true. And so our next foray into like improvement was this thing called parallel query running, which would allow Gatsby <laughs> to run chunks of queries at a given time. And what PQR, and here's a cool uh, diagram of it, you know, query running does take a huge percentage of your build, but now we can parallelize that uh, across uh, workers in the Gatsby process. But if you were to do this naively with Redux, like a child process can't write to a JavaScript object in the main process, right? It's hard to maintain state. There's no easy way to communicate between workers to write state and read it. And so with LMDB in place, we have workers that can read and write to LMDB, which allows us to run parallel queries, right? We don't need to do things serially anymore. And so PQR was a huge advancement for us. I think we saw up to like 40% reduction in in query running time and build times went down. Uh, We had like a goal, like I think it was like, we're trying to look for at least 20% reduction in build times. And I think we hit 26%. So all cool wins, you know? And so then Ward and I and the team, we're all just like thinking like, okay, we have LMDB, we got PQR, all right. Well, really we have a Gatsby data layer that can be accessed from anywhere, right? Because if you can access it from a worker, you can access it in a serverless function, a cloud run, you know, on your, your, somewhere, anywhere, you know, you can spin up your own machine in your own office if you wanted well Just static uh static host how about that like a like an s3 bucket <laughs> you could put it in an s3 bucket for sure you know like you could put those files there and then retrieve them from wherever you want and so that's when we started thinking like okay we have this information now what can we do to improve the 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 life of our users even more and then we started thinking about dpr and like we saw the approach and we were like well, wow, this is exactly what we need, but we have Gatsby's data layer that kind of complicates things, but it's not complicated anymore because we can essentially use the data layer wherever we want. So I'll let Ward kind of go from there on like how DSG came about after these like fundamental pieces.
2: Yeah. So then we looked at like ISR, TPR, like what's the difference in both of them? And then we saw like ISR, that's uh, where you have a refresh Timeout and now with I think the latest Next, you can also ping an endpoint so they can invalidate the cache. But it's all manual work, and there were many complaints about editing hey, in Next, it's not in in Gatsby, and they complained about stale data because what Next does is you visit the page and then the next time it will update. So I think it's a refresh or something. Yeah. All
1: right, all right. Well, we don't have to dig through issues on on the on our call, but. I just wanted to illustrate the problem. <laughs> yeah, and then that's
2: where we, we took it away and then said, okay, DPR. And then I looked at the, the spec of DPR, like, okay, can we use the same name or not? And the problem with DPR was that they had atomic uh, deploy. So every change means blow the whole cache away and do everything new. And we were like, oh, but we have incremental builds runner. We don't want to uh, like invalidate the whole cache. We just want to invalidate the pages that... Got removed and there's like a GitHub discussion about it, where I commented as well. And it felt like they didn't want to change the name. Workbeat. Yep.
1: There you go. Um, So you said to me, DPR doesn't need to be opinionated about if the file is part of the atomic deploy. Can you reiterate why?
2: Yeah, the, the thing
1: is basically
2: because they mentioned like every deploy needs to blow the cache away and needs to be fresh. And for me, like it shouldn't be in a spec. Like DPR to just say you build pieces at build time and you build pieces at runtime. That's basically what I was trying to say. And then because we have incremental builds, we only want to invalidate like five pages. Even if you use SSG or DSG, we still want to say, if you only change five pages, we invalidate the cache for five pages. I couldn't get that from the spec. And Sorry. I think that's also because Netlify does it their way, which is totally fine. But then that's why we created a new acronym called DPR. And I think it also probably explains what we're after as well, a little bit better too, because it's deferred static generation. It's like lazy SSG, something like that, because that's what we do. Like you can mark a page as defer. And that just means we don't do it at build time. But the first time you hit a request, we, we build it in like a, a Lambda, like we use Cloud Run, we build it and then we, we give the response to a user and then also we save it to disk. So from there on the second request, it's technically an SSG page. We store it, like you have the CDN cache, but we also have it inside our bucket, like your S3 bucket or whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah. We're caching responses, but we're also making that file exist as if it existed at build time. And that's a big distinction for us because. What that allows us to do in the future would be like, if nothing changed about the the data for the given page, then you don't need to DSG again, right? Like if nothing changes for, let's say like there's five builds and build a something changed in your data dependencies. So now you have a DSG page and then nothing changed for the next five builds. But a user comes and actually visits that page, generates the files. It gets cached in our data layer or our, our file storage layer. And on build five, because nothing changed, you're not DSG again, right? You're not going to go through this process again. Yeah. And so that's, we think is a big thing about DSG.
2: Yeah. And then I think the extra piece of it is because the date like you can say it's a benefit or, or a negative point of Gatsby, like resource all the data at build time. So even if your APIs go down, even with DSG you still go to our local database. So that will never go down because if like your site is down, your database will be down as well, but you, you're you not dependent of other APIs. So let's say GitHub goes down or X go down and you need to get that data. We have it locally in our database, so you're still good to go. So you still keep that resilience and the security even that you, you're used to have with Gatsby. And I think that's the main benefit of um, the whole data layer piece of, of Gatsby and DSG. Yeah.
1: Yeah, perfect. So, something I always wonder about, like, is this basically the last stage of Jamstack? Like, I feel like we have explored all possible varieties of rendering, and this is, like, the the end. This like, this is it, right? Like, we have all the options.
2: Now it's mixing uh, them together. <laughs> yeah, That's the next yeah. step. Having bits uh, of your
1: page static
2: and then bits of your pieces SSR. T-
1: um, uh, okay I'll, I'll put it this way do you think that jamstack at the end of the day after this maybe like five-year journey of like hey like uh wordpress sucks it's everyone moved to static right and then and then we found like oh yeah static doesn't scale big surprise we we're telling you that from the beginning and now okay right hybrid is that it like what's <laughs> was, was that the jamstack movement in, in like a five-year period
0: <laughs> i think Perhaps. it's like a yes and no like Evolution is, I think we're, you know, we're all coming full circle. And I think in engineering, particularly we do the same thing all the time, every 10 years or something. Right. But where DSG came into play is for use cases that we saw, you know, and our customers still prefer static. So I know we're talking about DSG, like it's like a great thing and it is, but a lot of our customers prefer static and it's really up to their use case. If you're a small site, at a bunch of top of funnel pages, any lag in anything, right? Cause DSG is not like instant, right? Like you're doing a runtime build essentially, right? So in some cases it could be you know, it could it could be a longer response time than what the standard should be. And we have customers that won't DSG anything because they have essentially most pages are top of funnel or high traffic that they would rather just wait. They don't mind waiting for the performance that they would want. But we also have customers that have hundreds of thousands of pages. Like there's one customer that has like a company handbook or something where like you can see every employee and like if they like dogs and like, you know what I'm saying? Like their bios and stuff. And they have a lot of employees worldwide and they're, they can only like before DSG, they could only build their site once a week because it takes like 24 hours to build. What? And now with DSG, they don't really care about someone who no one's going to view their profile. No offense to that person, but no one's viewing the non-CEO's profile. (laughs) So then now they can like, you know, and there are other people are important too, I'm sure. But like now they can actually, you know, make changes to their site. You know, we actually had to work with them to make sure that, you know, they can build. I mean, previous to DSG, they can build like at some cadence that we don't necessarily support, but.
1: We, we help support that. So, so okay, I think static like, I, is still I, king,
0: right? Static is still king when it yeah. makes sense for sure.
1: I, I feel like it's a bit scary when you tell people, like, okay, you're deferring the build. And then on the first request, someone's going to build that. It's not going to take that long either, right? It's not like it's like a, that bad. I think bottom line is, I, I, I think people are very scared whenever you say, like, okay, there's a trade off, but you don't quantify the trade off. And then they're like, oh, it, it, it's bigger in their mind than it really is. Um, Yeah,
2: I think a big problem with the plugin ecosystem is that it's difficult to to quantify like what's slow and what's not slow. For example, generating an MDX page is more time consuming because it has to like get some dependencies, make sure that they are bundled together, then use React to render and then render again, because that's how the GetV plugin is built right now. Mm -hmm. That takes more time than a simple React render to string with some data. And I think that's the difficult thing to say, like, okay, some pages will be instant. Some pages might take a second to build or or half a second. Yes,
1: the important thing is that there are no data dependencies that you're waiting on, right? That's usually yeah. the slowest part. Um, you just yeah. fetch all the data upfront uh, and then you store it in a LMDB cache and, and that's written to a serverless function or written to, I guess, your build process or whatever. And then people can render that whenever, which I think is it's, it's great. Like it should be fairly fast. Like we're talking tens of milliseconds difference yeah. between like f- for first render right like yeah. something yeah. like that like correct correct i think i think when you quantify like okay we're talking tens of milliseconds not hundreds of milliseconds and not thousands of milliseconds that really helps people put these things in perspective yeah but then you know people always uh, find a way to screw it up so i'll <laughs> say that like of course yeah but but you give a realistic benchmark and then you go like yeah for these benchmarks uh, we tested it like a th- hundred times or something. The median was this. The P95 was that. That's it. Like, yeah. I mean, people can't really fault you for not accounting for every use case because no, no one can. But uh, at least you can give a reasonable benchmark and say like, they will, though. they will. There's an up. There's an upper bound to you know, how bad, how, the, the, the trade-off, like, you know, when, whenever you mention trade-offs, yeah. I, I like to quantify it, basically. Um.
2: Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good idea. Yeah,
0: and like, one thing to know for DSG is like, your data may be like available, and that's cool, that, that may not be the long pull, but let's say you have a portfolio site that generates 20 different types of images for every image. Now you're, mm. now you're getting into image processing at runtime, you know? oh. Um, And so there there are ways to kind of not do this properly, right? And, or like, for example, let's say your homepage, I love this example, your homepage has links like to every other page on your site and it's all DSG, right? So you load the homepage and because Gatsby does prefetch for link tags or doing Gatsby link to other pages, we go and prefetch every page on your site. And essentially you're doing your build at runtime. So we're going to try to prevent these cases from happening, but just naively going through DSG, everything is not my
1: recommendation. That's for sure. Okay. Not today, at least not today. So a couple of things on that. So this Gatsby image point is very interesting. So how does Gatsby image work with DSG? So yeah, it works how it does in
0: Gatsby build. Currently today Gatsby uses Gatsby plugin, sharp and the sharp transformers to take one image, turn it into another. And even in Gatsby cloud, before we implemented parallel image processing, images were like the slowest part of the Gatsby build because it takes a lot of time, (laughs) a lot of memory, et cetera. And so we solved that problem. And so in the DSG runtime, we do image processing there for a particular page. So you will have to wait for image processing if you're image heavy on a DSG page.
1: Which, I mean, does that mean that you cannot do DSG in a serverless function? In a typical- Uh, We do,
0: we actually do DSG in serverless and that's totally fine. Like you can do image processing, you know? But like, I would say your mileage may vary given what kind of transformations you have going on, how many images you have, right? Yeah. Um, But, Like you said, there's trade-offs, right? If if the page makes sense for it, you know, we have a bunch of examples that do have images and they work great, you know, but I don't know if like a full-on portfolio with like a, you know, like a masonry thing where like, there's like tons of images and they have sub-images and you have like a a carousel of images and stuff. That may not be good for your user (laughs) to wait on. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But the choice is the users. That's what we're trying to get at is like, we're trying to give as many options, we're going to give guidance and like we're having our own opinions, but you, you can choose to listen or not, or, you know, do your own thing. And we should try to support you as much as we can.
1: Yeah. You give me some thought about like having sort of like a browser's list type of API where you can say like, okay, top, uh, 100 most visited pages. No, this is not it. You know what I mean? Like as a handholding for what should be DSG'd and yes. what should be statically generated. You know, plug into my Google Analytics, tell me like top 100 pages, statically render those, everything else DSG. I'm sure you've thought about it. And I think like maybe four years ago, Gatsby and GuestJS yes. had some yeah. kind of collaboration, yeah. uh, which I assume went nowhere. But let me know if there's any movement on no, this. No, we
2: deprecated uh,
1: the plugin. We oh, deprecated it. it. Okay. Deprecated, yeah.
2: For now, yeah. Because there is a new way to do it. Because now with Guest, oh. it stored everything in one file. So we had to like sometimes download a five megabyte JSON file to make Gatsby work. <laughs> and then they switched it around that you could make guests smarter to say like, okay, for this route, you only need a bit of the JSON file, but we never implemented it. So, but I know Angular
0: has it. Yeah, and we have this, so I'm speaking from the Gatsby cloud perspective, but like you're right, Sean, like if you can hook into Google analytics, you'll get the same thing. But if you host with Gatsby cloud, We know what, what routes coming through our hosting layer. We know what routes for your site are the most hit, you know, we know the requests per route, we know how much bandwidth you're using, like per route. And so, we could be smarter and tell people exactly how, how to DSG, right?
1: How should you DSG and get it done that way for sure. Okay. So like a, to be, to be complete. Uh, to be to be done. To be like, complete. Speed. You know, we're still in beta yeah, exactly. for
0: Gatsby 4. So I would say like maybe like after we launch for, for sure, we'll start adding yeah. some sugar on top.
1: <laughs> got it. So first of all, I, I did so this was my first time trying out Gatsby Cloud. I, I think it was behind like a sign up wall, like a private beta in the past and I, I never really gave it a spin. But again, you know the V4 announcement really got me going. And and yeah I mean I'm pretty impressed. So how much of the, <laughs> you know the hard question, right? How much of this is a Netlify clone? What are you doing differently? Let's talk about that. <laughs> how much of like DSG is a Netlify clone? No. How I much of Gatsby Cloud is a Netlify clone? <laughs> probably like zero percent. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Probably zero percent of it is a Netlify clone. I do like when you provision it. It gives me like a really good set of options. Uh, let's see. Uh, this, you know, connect CMS. Guess Netlify does not have that.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I would. Yeah, we're far from a Netlify clone, mo- multiple reasons. We've built our whole system based on the needs of Gatsby. The way our cloud front end and our back ends talk to our customers' Gatsby sites is like a novel way of doing it. We've exposed that in open source. Um, and I think Netlify actually did implement something for. External jobs or something with Google PubSub. I, I saw that, but everything oh, we yeah. do in Gatsby Cloud is for Gatsby. We have no other framework that we need to maintain nor care about. Sorry, yep. VOOCs or whatever. <laughs> like, we don't care about that on Gatsby Cloud. We've optimized our hosting layer with Fastly to be part I of saw Gatsby. That. And so if Gatsby changes, Gatsby Cloud changes. And if we need Gatsby framework to change, it will for Gatsby Cloud. So, and we use Google Cloud, so we're not on AWS. I would say we have the similar features though, and that's a valid a point to bring out. We have uh, we have functions, right? We have um, oh yeah domains and all. we don't have a uh, purchasing domains or anything yet, but you know we have the whole hosting product and everything like that.
1: Got it. Is that is that what? Uh you would need for Gatsby Cloud to come on a beta, like uh, domains or like, what, what What? are you waiting for essentially? Well, Gatsby Cloud isn't
0: in beta, it's like a, so.
1: Oh, Gatsby V4 cloud. is in beta, yeah. V4 yeah. is in
0: beta, yeah, sorry, yeah. But yeah, domain, like domain registry and all that stuff is more sugar on top that we'll be probably releasing um, mid next year. But we're just trying to be, I mean, Gatsby Cloud from that perspective, we just wanna be at the table with all the other Jamstack providers But our edge is if you want to build a Gatsby site the best way, you know, you have our support team that'll help you, right? As a customer of ours, you're like our family, the Gatsby family, you know, we'll help, we help our customers. We have great support and everything we do on the platform is for Gatsby and making Gatsby better. So there's like so many things in the framework that we've improved by having Gatsby cloud, because we didn't know all the sites that could exist and not do things Nicely, or have <laughs> problems, or you know, it's because of Gatsby Cloud that the framework is getting so much better because we have real users' feedback and they have a lot of demands, and we like to you know fulfill them. Yeah.
1: Okay, actually, I should probably have clarified this earlier. How much of what we just talked about is Gatsby Cloud only? Pretty much all of it. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. DSG SSR, they're all capable. You know, you can run it locally and stuff, and. I know Netlify has a Gatsby plugin as well that will allow you to run DSG and SSR as well. For those who are not using those platforms, like maybe you're using Amplify or whatever, um, yeah. you're gonna have to implement this yourself. I don't recommend it though, because it was a pain in the ass to, to mm-hmm. put it together. Yeah. Um, but yeah,
2: it so should so work technically-
0: the best on Gatsby Cloud.
2: Yeah, so, so technically all of that we're building with V4 is in open source, so you could wire it up all yourself but why bother if you can use like Gatsby Cloud and that you don't have to care about it.
1: (laughs) That's true. Okay, so just on the rendering side of things, right? I made this observation that Gatsby now has SSR, now has serverless rendering, all the different rendering modes. Like this looks very similar to Next.js. Is it possible to basically say like, okay, Gatsby is the data layer and it's the best data layer and most advanced or whatever. Uh, Because this is basically what Next.js does, right? Like it's a very very constrained rendering layer. Why can't you, I mean, you know, sunk cost aside, why can't you be a Next.js layer? Well, technically
2: we could now because they like implemented everything too. Like they have SSG, they have ISR, they have um, SSR and we could technically move the data layer out of and use it with Next. That could be a possibility, but we've, been, we've gone so far and I think um, <laughs> to already have built this and then now they're also parity. I think having two separate ones and having different dev experience and maybe Next is winning now and Gatsby will, will uh, win in, in three months or vice versa. I think it's just mm-hmm. a healthy balance. Like it's, I think it's the same thing as a browser wars. So like everyone is going to Chrome or Chromium and then there yeah. is still like a Firefox and iOS, but how long will they survive? And I think just competition is what you need. And I think that's why uh, a good reason why we keep separate. And also I don't think that Next.js yes, will like <laughs> merging with Gatsby or like having the, like the same Oh, case. I think,
1: uh, no, Next.js would be super happy about it because like then they win They win the server <laughs> oh, yeah. for, for React's, you know, role. And then you focus on the data role, right? Like, uh, which which makes sense to me. Obviously, I'm brushing over. A lot of the plugins actually have a rendering portion as well. So True. True. how much can you separate those things? If we, if next... we
0: think of, uh, if you know, this is possible. I don't, I mean, we're not going to like say that it's happening or anything. Never say but, never. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, like if we look at Gatsby's, like how it's set up, it's it's what we call the content mesh. You have yes. all these different data um, warehouses that exist: WordPress, Drupal, etc., could even be freaking Google Sheets, you know, like whatever. And we assemble this data layer at build time. And in doing DSG and SSR, we've built something called the query engine that allows you to query this. LMDB store that has like the manifested data in there. So it really opens up the the gate for, yeah. If you want to use our data layer in a next app, like, I mean, go ahead. Like once we expose this API to our customers, then you can essentially have Gatsby data in an iOS app or an Android app, react native. Like it's just an API call at that point. And, you know, Gatsby cloud hosts like a GraphQL API for you that you can just your data. I don't know if any data scientists would care for that. They could add that into Looker or something, you know, like (laughs) however they want to do it, like that stuff would be available. And it's almost like a content data lake versus, you know, traditional data lake, I guess it's purely for content. And you would have the benefits of Gatsby because we normalize and we create structures and you like the user can customize the schema, however you want. And then now you can use it on multiple platforms, right? It's not an immediate goal for us to do so. It's a logical next step.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. I I feel like that's a really good and in-depth coverage. Maybe maybe let's let's end off with talking about the future of React 18 and your plans there. First of all, what's happening in React 18? Is it out? Like. (laughs) (laughs) The plan for the React 18 published in June. Okay. All right. Let's talk about it. What's uh, what's going on?
2: So so we're working closely with the React team and we're also in the working group to figure out like, okay, how can we help the the team make it more stable and give it in user hands? So I think from May or something, we have introduced React 18 part of Gatsby. So you can now install React 18 alpha and we just moved to the new rendering mode. So the async mode suspense and all those things work like what, what we're planning on at least when you use get we like we have page queries and we have static queries and there's a big pain point in static queries because it's a graphQl query but it cannot have any variables which means you're kind of limited to the use of it and then you have to move everything to page queries you kind of have to know all the content up front and with the new async rendering bits of a React, you can do like a use query because you can yield yeah. the rendering of React at any time because async doesn't mean you have to go um, like a use Apollo server get server data tree or something or other uh, pieces where you kind of have to hack uh, React async mode when you have suspends in SSR and we can all move it to the page components or the components of your reactor. So it l- basically looks that you're just re- recreating a React application and then every async bits like using React fetch or uh, use query it all just works. I think that's where, where React 18 benefits a lot, where it's it just removes a lot of clutter that you have to do now with Gatsby, where you have to be in the Gatsby mindset when you're developing. And I think and you basically go to uh, creating a React app and you have a data layer. Uh, but I think yeah, React 18 opens so many doors with their new cache APIs. It just becomes way smarter. And When you look at it from a performance pre, uh, perspective with the whole concurrent mode, where inputs get priority over rendering, it's just gonna be way smoother than what they had so far, so.
0: And hopefully people stop complaining about Lighthouse scores and stuff. You know, <laughs> like, that'll be great. Another cool thing that React 18 kind of unlocks for Gatsby in particular is a concept of fragments. And so we were talking about that nav bar example earlier with 100,000 pages. And we want to leverage React 18 with like custom renderers so that we can essentially create fragments of a page that have data dependencies. Because there's no page query or static query anymore. There's just a query. Your nav bar component has a query. And essentially Gatsby can make that navbar a navbar fragment. And your body has a fragment, your maybe your footer has a fragment, your sidebar has a fragment. And as data changes incrementally, we only rebuild fragments and our hosting layer stitches fragments together. This is an old concept called ESI includes. Like if everyone did PHP back in the day, like you're very familiar with this stuff. Like I said, every 10 years things just come back around. And we're going to try to do that. We're going to try to build fragments of pages, stitch them together so a navbar change doesn't break the bank, you know? But we can only do that once React 18 is, like, you know, fully there. I mean, we could do it now, but, like, why? When we should just, like, work off the, the, the work of others. So.
1: When you say fragments, are you referring to GraphQL fragments? Or, or like, HTML I
0: think fragment might be a maybe we call it like, you know, today, like an HTML page, you know, has specific, you know, I like to call them like the rectangles that we all draw around our our websites, right? They all have independent data, isolation, right? And so these are like what maybe a Gatsby slice of a page or a fragment or some type of include, you know, like in the templating days, right? And that's what I kind of mean there. So these includes or templates or whatever we want to call them would be independently built, and then independently stitched at the cache layer. And then you know, the, the data dependencies don't cross and now I'm not building 100,000 pages because I misspelled Gastby, and it should have been Gastby. you know?
1: <laughs> it sounds like it happens a lot. <laughs>
0: oh, it does.
1: Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. <laughs>
2: uh, and it, it looks a lot like donut caching if you're more familiar with that piece. Like you have a, uh, yeah. a page where as a part has a different cache limit than another one. So that's yeah. more or less the technical piece out of it.
1: Uh, server components, anything on, any implications on that for Gatsby?
2: Not yet, I would say, because they're not going to ship it with React 18. We've been talking about it, but it's still very fresh or very new. Like uh, even the React team hasn't, hasn't worked more on it. So they did their demo, but then it's got like a little bit stagnated. Oh my uh, God, really? Oh, i have they want- All the pieces, like they need to build all the pieces underneath it to make it work. Like, yeah, making sure that ASync rendering works. (laughs) They jumped a bit of,
1: they they jumped the gun maybe in announcing. I got so excited. I was like, wow, okay, I can cut my JavaScript bundle by 40% and run backend functions in my React component. Wow. And then nothing, nothing for... 10 months.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> we are super uh, excited about it too. Because when you look at especially marketing sites, like marketing pages or um, blogs, there's only a, a, little, a small piece of JavaScript that you actually need. Like maybe you need a bit for your uh, newsletter button or your, like uh, something like that. And why 200 kilobytes of JavaScript when you technically only need maybe 10, 20 kilobytes. So I think with static, or with like marketing pages, you can uh, remove a lot of of those uh, bits.
0: Yeah, so the world was server rendered, then we went client-side rendered, then we went static rendered, now we're DSG rendered, and then we're gonna go back to server render. So, you know, time just keeps
1: spinning. Partially <laughs> server. I, I called it smart server versus smart clients is my term for it. So this is the I think maybe my my most recent post because I have been trying to write more, but then I keep have having real life get in the way. But why is traditional, which is server rendered, different from the new server rendered? We have <laughs> essentially essentially exactly the same, but there's a thin runtime of JavaScript. The stuff that we send over the wire changes and we actually doing rendering in the browser, but like partial rendering, maybe I should yeah. say. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I think this is a very interesting exploration. I, Phoenix Live View is also the other one that that gets a lot of love for this. And then Rails is also adopting Hotwire. So I don't know where this goes. I mean, I, I it it seems like we have fully explored the smart client space, and the smart server revolution is just kind of get getting going. Yeah, we're
2: all going back to Meteor.
1: <laughs> Back to Meteor, but not so opinionated, I think. You know, I, I, I was very excited about Meteor. Like when I, when I first got into web dev, like I was like, oh yeah, okay, everything's in there. I actually mentioned Meteor here because it mm-hmm. had the mini Mongo data store, mini which Mongo. was I thought was just such a great experience. D- did you used to work at Meteor? Oh, no. Well, no. uh, uh, no. yeah. my last
0: company, we used Meteor for our, our backend and then we had to kind of migrate slowly off of it yeah because they were just ahead of their time you know now all those concepts are like
1: mm-hmm. those are
0: like those are the concepts of today
1: right and that's the beautiful <laughs> thing they're just ahead of their time I mean you know what they did was they became Apollo yeah right? they, they were just like oh 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 no one's no one's handling all the hard parts of GraphQL okay we'll do it yeah <laughs> you did a great job of that too which is by the way like In terms of just, I'm interested in startups, entrepreneurship. um, You know, we work so hard in web dev stuff. A lot of this, we never charge a a cent for. And someday I would like to make money on the smart things that we do in tech. Taking an underspecified spec, which most of the times is intentionally underspecified, and then building all the hard parts around it is a very interesting formula for success. So essentially, React is an underspecified framework. And NextGS came in and went like, oh, okay, we'll we'll build the, get initial props that you guys forgot. And great, very successful. Gatsby, same thing. And then Apollo and, and Relay, by the way, but but Relay was not a serious company company effort. I mean, Relay is a serious effort. It's not a startup that was like existentially relying on like, on uh, success. Whereas, whereas Apollo was like, okay, GraphQL is underspecified there's a reference JS implementation, but no one's building the production quality standard. We'll do it. And, then, <laughs> and yeah, like it, it's really interesting because as the spec grows or as adoption of the thing grows, you you grow with it and you serve the audience and you also capture a lot of the value and you essentially have Facebook working for you in the sense of like, <laughs> or the, the spec maintainers, you know, whatever, whatever the spec is. They're working for you because every time they, they contribute to the spec, you you win. Mm-hmm. True.
0: yeah, maybe that's the what's going to happen with DPR, right? <laughs> like-
1: the naming sucks <laughs> 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 Too many three letter acronyms, and like I'm sure like look, like you and I and and everyone, everyone in like the the web dev, like Twitter sphere or whatever, we don't mind new things and like understanding the differences and nuances. But anyone who's like just a regular web dev or just like not web dev, but talking to web devs, they think we're crazy. (laughs) This is actually bad. Like we look like the nerds uh, who are like talking about these minor differences and inventing new acronyms for them. I don't know how to fix it. Jargon is important for specialists to understand in in a very short amount of time the differences between what we're referring to. Jargon is important, but we don't do ourselves, our industry a favor when we uh, have all these acronyms, and then people just throw them on onto a onto a page or a blog post or or a slide deck, and then people mm-hmm. just go like, okay,
0: yeah. The GSSM system up, is crazy. And you end up explaining the same thing all the time, right? Because you use some acronym. It was funny, like on the way to Gatsby Camp, like we had like all of our releases had all of the releases in Gatsby four have acronyms. We have like PQR, parallel query running, DSG, SSR, SSG. Man, we were like trying to figure out how many more acronyms can we fit to, to get like the, the acronym count up. But it's a serious problem for us too, because our, some of our customers have never used Gatsby before. They're coming from a WordPress, full-on WordPress background. And our yeah. sales team, marketing, we all need to be able to convey like, yeah, this is what it really is. And this is what it means. And maybe the, the acronym sticks after they understand it, but that's a really uphill battle to explain right on the way. So I would love if a community, we all got together and I kind of just understood it. You know, it's kind of like the GraphQL but have a formal definition for what this is. Don't be too heavy handed on approach. Let people implement however they want to. And then it's just a concept that has different flavors.
1: Yeah. Oh, different flavors. Okay. That'd be interesting. Is there anything else uh, that we haven't covered that you wanted to shut (laughs) out?
0: This is fun. Yeah. I really enjoyed talking with you too.
1: Yeah, I, I love uh, I love catching up. Um, uh, and fun fact: we're actually at my workplace. We we use DocuSaurus right now for our docs. We're actually considering moving to Gatsby. Nice. Not something I, I thought I would do this year, but we're we're, fi- we're running into enough limitations with DocuSaurus that we are essentially customizing so much that we don't get much benefit anymore. So, maybe a, a good like standard docs implementation would be interesting for you guys, actually. Uh, because a lot of the re- reason that people pick Docusaurus is basically it has docs in the name and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's got a lot of good defaults for docs, right? And Gatsby maybe doesn't have such a developed theme for docs.
2: We mostly push people to the Apollo team. Like they have a great, like the whole Apollo site is, or doc site is built with Gatsby and they open source the building blocks that they use so you could start from there and then
0: yeah
1: the- oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um Jake. new relic as well
0: yeah.
1: new relic okay. is with gatsby and
0: they're they're working on something similar too
1: awesome awesome yeah okay cool well thanks for those pointers i'm actually no, gonna no go explore them yeah if you need uh, perfect
0: help, uh, just uh, let us know yeah if you need any help for
1: sure yeah we'll do we'll do, we'll do. and there's no reason why we, we shouldn't move to Gatsby Cloud, if that makes sense for us as well. Okay. Hey, Ward and Abid, thanks so much. And and this is really great chatting. Thanks for reaching out. And yeah, I, I hope people will try out Gatsby. Yeah, <laughs>
0: same. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you All for right. having us. Have a great weekend. Have a great one. Bye. <laughs>